0: This day, drunk gods. Each man one way. Each horse one stance. Each church one Buddha. Each master to his own technique. Welcome to the One Broken Cog Podcast. Join John and Brian as they share small adjustments that lead to major
1: impacts. One Broken Cog Podcast. Brian Olson here with my good friend and partner, John
0: Lester. John, how are you today, sir? Excellent, Brian. How are you? Hey, shh. Quiet, quiet. We have somebody from across the pond in the room. Be careful.
1: Oh, my goodness. And I hear he has a very unique moniker. He goes by the sales samurai. So I'm very intrigued, John. I know you are, too. This should be interesting. Let's get him. So let me give you some background on, on the sales samurai. Now, his incredible sales samurai journey began in his 20s when he served at Her Majesty's Pleasure in the British Armed Forces. Even though he wasn't destined to be a soldier for the rest of his career, this experience set the stage for his entrepreneurial path becoming the sales samurai. Now, he's used his martial arts skills to complement his sales career. Having achieved a black belt in karate, along with competing in numerous other arts, he applied the mindset and strategies of the arts to his sales, allowing him to close deals like a ninja. Now, his life experience has enabled him to emphasize with people in situations, becoming a problem-solving assassin. Not only does he have a successful and promising sales future, he's also a podcast host and a speaker. Mr. Sales Samurai, welcome to the One Broken Cog Dojo.
2: It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Brian and John. About to you both. Absolutely.
1: Man.
0: Our pleasure, John. Good to have you here.
1: Our pleasure. But I'm going to tell you this, Mr. Saleshammer. I believe that my jiu-jitsu will wipe the floor with your karate.
2: Yeah, possibly, but I've got nunchucks, so I reckon I'm out of the advantage. Of...
1: Oh, okay. There you go, right? <laughs> <Don't pour> rocks <laughs> to rocks or somebody carrying, carrying a hand grenade. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Well, it's yeah. great to Go- have
1: you. You know, we'd love to talk about your journey and then jump into sales. You know, John and I, we love sales. It's, you know, it's the kind of the core of our business. And I know your your career took a, an interesting path. You joined the British Armed Forces. How did that happen? What led you to joining up with the military?
2: That's a good question. And it wasn't something that, like a lot of people, they kind of, as a kid, they're always playing toy soldiers and they were, they're sort of army barmy, aren't they? And they always have the tanks and the toys and the action mans and all that. It wasn't really anything to do with that. I wasn't really that bothered about being a soldier, if I'm honest. But I got into my kind of early, sort of early, to, yeah, early twenties. It was, and there was just no sort of career prospects or job prospects. I was kind of on uh, the dole, we call it here, the dole, or welfare. You, I think you call it over there. Sort of in and out of dead end jobs, and I just came to the stage where I thought, right, I've had enough of this. I'm going to just do something else. Get get me away from from my hometown, a uh, bit of an adventure. Start try something new. So I decided to join the military.
1: Nice, nice. And what did that do for you? What, maybe talk about some of your experiences there? What were some of the benefits? How did it shape you for who you are today?
2: That's a great question. Uh, well, it it's, it's kind of the yin yang. I always I always sort of uh, go back to that and I, I say that kind of thing because of the, the samurai thing. But there was good there was good that came from it, and there was also negative the bad stuff that came from it. Uh, the good was sort of discipline and sort of perseverance. Uh, like just sheer grit and determination. Those are the, the sort of key skills that I took from the military. But on the flip side, it was very difficult to move back into civilian life or civvy street, if you want to put it that way, and get a normal job and start paying bills again and just live normally. It's a very difficult transition. I found it a harder transition to come back to reality or back to the normal world than it was going in. So yeah, and I actually felt went down a bit of a dark path and ended up with a stint of homelessness and, and, and taking drugs and that kind of thing. But I managed to drag myself out of that and said, look, give myself a wake up call and got clean and started doing martial arts. And then I've never looked back.
0: What John, what, was, there a, was there a particular thing that, that hit you that said, hey, I, I got to get my, my act together. I got to get my life in order. Was there something that happened to you that, that caused that transition?
2: Just, just the the self, the the self realization of w- the the path that I was taking. I was thinking, I I, I just one day I just thought to myself, right, this this road that you're on now, it's either going to end up two ways: you're going to die or you're going to be in prison. So those, that it was that it was that kind of journey that I was on, and I thought, well, that's not what I've that's not what I've just spent two years in the military to end up doing. And it, it happens so often. I mean, it's not just the UK; it happens in in, in the states as well. It is ex-military end up on the streets and down and out and on the drugs and and nowhere to turn because we don't get looked after. It's all it's all well and good when you're in there, you know what I mean. But when you're out, they, they don't really care. They just kind of wash hands of you. So that was my wake-up call. I did it myself, and I said, right, I've not done I've not done this this service for the, the Queen or whatever country, queen country, just to end up down and out and in the gutter.
0: When that reality hit you, was there something you said, you know what, damn it, this is what I want to accomplish in my life? Did that happen to you also?
2: Uh, it wasn't really kind of a light bulb moment in that respect. I just knew I had to change direction and, and focus some, into something. That's why it was it was quite good timing when I when I discovered the, the karate instructing role that I could do. Because it was that, once I started doing that and learning the karate, that was the discipline back in me. That was the kind of drive that I got. The fact that I was doing sales at the same time was, was perfect because even though there wasn't a lot of money involved in it, if you speak to anybody that does martial arts full time, it's a really difficult industry to kind of make good yes. money from. Yes, but um, it gave me the strong skill sets of, of especially cold calling. If you ever know anybody that's done any cold calling for any length of time, I did it for five years so. The, they the, just sharpened every, every part of my skills, every part of my sales process. So, from, from, from obviously the knocking the door, building the rapport to, to actually closing the sale and everything in between. So, yeah, the, those are the kind of, the, the, the things that I've taken from it. And, uh, yeah, if it wasn't for the martial arts, I would have never got into the sales. And if it wasn't for the, the, the martial arts, I wouldn't have had the drive to keep going and through the door knocking doors. I have to give credit to, People like Brian Tracy as well because he he was one of the kind of figures that helped me through uh, the door knocking because of like the rejection and that kind of thing. So the positive affirmations in between each door, I was always resetting. I was always talking positive before uh, before I knocked on that next door. Especially if I just had one slammed in my face, I had to reset and and get my, get my mind positive to speak to that next person.
0: Yeah, I don't want to stand there just for a second because there there are a lot of people that get into sales. And their only perspective is of cold calling as they see it is picking up a telephone. And, and you're actually getting the full body experience knocking on doors and having people either look through the peephole and not talk to you or slam the door in your face or tell you it's certain expl- expletives that I'm not going to repeat on this, on this podcast. Just take a minute and just explain that the the psychological impact that that had on you.
2: Yeah, it was very, again, it was, it was very bittersweet because there's no, there's no better feeling than than making appointments and even sales with people in person. It's a really kind of, should we say, it's a good sort of feeling to to have that. But on the flip side, it's a really really bad feeling to have doors slammed in your face or told to f off or uh, we don't deal with cold calls that kind of thing. So what I used to do though was always always make humour because what I what I got to the stage of doing was even if somebody was a little bit, I grow with you if you fire humor at them, they find it very difficult to stay aggressive with you. or does that make sense? So if somebody said, oh, I don't deal with cold calls, I'd say, what do you mean cold calls? It's warm today. I mean, I've I've got my t-shirt on, I'm not cold. So just putting that different twist on things and getting a bit of a laughter from them, they're not interested. They they were never interested in the first place, but that puts me in a positive frame of mind to speak to the next person rather than getting negged out and having to pick myself back up again. What were some of the the techniques you used
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> what were some of those techniques that you used to break the barrier and really gain interest in that short amount of time? I know you have a very short window to get somebody's attention, have them listen to you, build that rapport, and you know, engage. What were some of the things that you did? Did you, have, did you ever have anybody actually invite you into the house to sit yeah, down and discuss? Yeah, quite,
2: quite a lot, quite 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 often because I'm quite kind of friendly anyway. I come across as quite sort of approachable anyway. So yeah, that happened quite a lot, especially older people because they like to see people. It was quite nice, it's quite nice for a cold caller, especially a door knocker to to speak to old people because a lot of old people don't see people for weeks at a time. So it, it's, it makes their day to have a conversation, even if it's some, if you're selling something they're not interested in. The fact that you have a bit of a laugh with them and, and see how they, ask them how they are and that kind of thing, if they're all right, or let just little things like stay warm and all that kind of things. You know I mean, just, just that little bit of human contact and just being nice to people, it, it really does make people's day. So that, that was one of the kind of, should we say, positives of doing that.
1: And you're a firm believer in cold calling. It's at the core of your your being. I know we talked about that offline, the fact that many sales gurus feel that cold calling is dead. You absolutely love it. Explain to me why cold calling is so important and why it's still relevant right now.
2: Well, the thing is, um, I I don't think it's ever going to die because people say that to me. And and I I literally recently just, I'm not going to be doing it for very long. Well, I've I've stopped doing it already. I was doing a little, did a little bit of local canvassing for a window company just to kind of tie me over because I had a little bit, bit of a gap. But um, there, was a, there wasn't a very good reception, if you want to put it that way at the moment, because obviously we're all still on the full lockdown, so it's, it's not a great time to be doing that. And it, uh, that may kind of fizzle out eventually, the door knocking. I don't know, maybe door knocking, it may be a dying industry, but cold calling certainly is not if you're in business and you, you're you happy to pick up a phone and dial smile and dial you will get somewhere with it it's an it it purely i mean there is a bit of a conflicting sort of uh thingy with this but it's definitely a numbers game no no doubt about it people some people that say it's not but i i seriously think it is if you speak to 100 people um oh sorry you you dial 100 numbers in a day you're gonna not you're not gonna get through to all them people you might get through to 50 or 60 then but Even a small percentage of them will be interested. It may only be two or five people out of that that hundred, but they're the ones that matter, aren't they? So as long as you're happy to pick that phone up and have people hang up on you or tell you whatever or they're not interested, just... just, For me, I've done it for that long, and I think the martial arts helps with this. I have this kind of chi bubble around me, so whenever anything negative comes at me, it just bounces off. I don't. I just don't let it affect me because I've, I've listened to it that much. All I ever see a negative no or, or that response is. It's just a little no that's getting me close to that that ultimate yes from from whoever it may be. So, John,
0: for for the listener's perspective, because at least here in the States, we we get into this quite a bit, there is a notion of a cold call. Some people think a cold call is anytime you pick up the phone, but there's a distinction that some people make that say a cold call is when there's absolutely no prior contact of any sort. And so you're making absolute first contact. There's then the notion of the warm cold call or the warm call which might have been preceded by a marketing effort or an email effort. So make the distinction for the audience, if you will, as to how you see those two things.
2: Okay. Well, for me, a cold call is I'm ringing a number that I found on something like LinkedIn or whatever, whatever source you look at. LinkedIn a really good one, actually. So if you can find numbers or contacts from, from LinkedIn, if you've sent them a cold email first, then it's no longer, as far as I'm concerned, that's no longer a cold call because you've made contact The very first part of call when they don't know who you are, where you're from, what you represent, what you're selling or anything like that, that is a a cold call as far as I'm concerned.
1: Okay. Appreciate that. Does it also have to do with the fact that you know if they're qualified or not? Like when you're looking at LinkedIn, you realize this is most likely the decision maker. This is most likely a fit for what I'm selling. Or is it just, again, blanket? You're trying to go and penetrate the account, find who the decision maker is qualify them to see if they actually are a fit for your product or services. Maybe you want to make that distinction.
2: Yeah, that's a a good point. Uh, Well, again, it all depends on the industry. But say, for example, you're looking for life insurance people or whatever. So you find a company, a life insurance company, and then you look at the the employees. So you're looking for the top guys but it doesn't necessarily have to be the ceo or the founder you could be looking slightly lower down like the the sales manager or the marketing manager or something like that or the, the regional managers something like that because they've still got a bit of clout haven't they those especially if it's, a, if it's a fortune 500 or a bigger company a lot of these top dogs are going to probably have more decisions made than the actual top top dog and especially with certain things like this so you don't always necessarily have to find the founder you could you can look slightly under that Alternatively, if you're going to ring directly the, the company from a number you've found online, you're going to want to probably bypass the gatekeeper. So that that's another we say, um, aspect of cold calling that needs to be looked at.
1: No, absolutely. You make a great point there. Now, John and I, we have to get the elephant out of the room, the moniker sales samurai. How did you come up with it? Why did you name yourself this? Tell me about the name.
2: Well, because I was doing cold calling or should we say learning sales at the same time as doing martial arts I started to n- notice how many correlations there were between the two and the ideas or especially for me maybe not everybody but for the, the the feelings I got and the way the way that I, I put myself across or the way that I I would look at sales was exactly the same way that I was looking at my martial arts so I, I would be holding stances for for a long time uh, and so so you have the patience it's exactly the same as having should we say, a prospect that's that's taken ages to make a decision and you have to keep following up. It's exactly the same as teaching little Johnny his cutter, and he can't get it yet and you keep doing the same moves with him over and over again and he just doesn't get it. So you have to have the patience to keep re- repeating yourself. Again, you, you repeat yourself time and time again when you're strutting the dojo and you're doing the same punches over and over again or the same kicks over and over again. When you're reading your scripts out, when you're just learning it, when you're brand new to it, you're reading it over and over again. So it's a lot of repetition. You're dialing numbers over and over again. So there's so many crossovers between the two. The sales samurai, just it just it was like a boom, like a light bulb moment. It just came to me.
1: How are people reacting to it? How are they uh, taking it, the name?
2: Yeah, I'm getting a really good reception from it, actually. I mean, he, I've had the odd person that have said, oh, you shouldn't be using Japanese culture or blah, blah, blah. And it's <laughs> Here like, we go, oh, huh? come on, get a grip. It, it, it's it's just a brand name. I'm not trying to make out that I'm some real life samurai swinging his sword or anything like It's just part of what I do in it. And it ties in well. I'm, a, I'm a, an avid martial arts fan and practitioner. So it just makes sense to me and and what i'm what i'm trying to should we say represents and a lot and i think that the the way that i go about things and the way i put myself across get is is disciplined so it's it's just it just makes sense for what i'm trying to do it's not it's not supposed to be offensive to any japanese people so if there are any japs listening i hope that you're not offended by <laughs> the fact that i call myself the sales samurai
1: i love it that was the best statement ever and you know what and if it doesn't work out you can always become a sushi chef right
2: absolutely that's well that, that is actually another one of my hobbies she I, I love a bit of cooking in the kitchen i did do chefing for, for a while so really I never like yeah yeah when i first moved to this area in england i did it for a while they were called it commie chef so it's like the lowest level chef so it, after you do <laughs> pot washing after you do the pots then you become a commie chef so but i I did learn some quite good stuff and I'm more inventive in the kitchen than I would have been before. I can, I can, I can kind of whip up some nice dishes for the family and stuff. Man. I'll tell you, yeah. so if you ever
1: get sued, you can always call yourself the sell chef as a backup plan, right?
2: The sushi samurai
1: chef. Something, man, right? Brand that <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah. Trademark it now before somebody steals it. I hear in Britain, they love curry. Is that true?
2: We do love curry. It's, I think uh, it's, it's, it's something to do with the fact that India was a really big part of, of Britain's culture a long time ago uh they fought in wars with us and they were actually part of the british empire so a lot of their spices and 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 sort of dishes came over here and they, they really took off and they've stuck so yeah curry is kind of a british dish nowadays you know
1: well john and i are dying to know you know we have a business as well we help people kind of like you do i know you have a business you're coaching people we'll talk about your book in a minute but according to your perspective where are your clients and where are sales reps in general really getting it wrong today where are they really failing
2: Oh wow! So many different, so many different ways. For one, the the, the lack of enthusiasm when it comes to a follow up. Why people have this this sort of negative idea about follow up is beyond me. You're not going to sell people on the first port of contact. It's 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 a known statistics now, isn't it? It's something like seven or eight. I'm, I can normally do it in a lot less than that. Two, three is kind of my average. But don't think that, 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 especially if you're like, say, for example, you're a closer, you're, you're closing on behalf of people. Brand new closers seem to think that it's a one It's a one of call, they're going to speak to them and close them on that deal, and that's it. But it does happen, don't get me wrong, I've, I've had hundreds of one-call closes because some people are decision-makers and they're ready to commit. But lots of people aren't like that. That's just one kind of person, isn't it? Other people need to think about things and be nurtured and, and guided and, and taught things and, and sort of... Mm, so you know I mean, uh, push, pushing in the right direction kind of thing or, or helped make a decision that's good for them. So one is following up. I can't believe that so many people don't do that. So I would I would say that's one of them. The other one is giving up too quickly. So the I mean, I'm guilty of this. When I was younger, I think I did door knocking for about two weeks and I threw it in the towel and maybe not even that it's a couple of days. So it's it's when they get hit with that rejection, they just don't know how to deal with it. So that that's something that that a lot of reps s- deal with, and they don't they don't kind of study the craft either. I've done, read hundreds and hundreds of sales books. I've done courses on it. I've done like read closing books. I've done closing I, everything. I've just absorbed as much sales and closing and uh, information about selling and my craft as I can because I want to be the best I can possibly be. So those are a few keyos, i think and a, a lot of them don't kind of uh should we say do just get into good routines having daily i've got a structured morning routine every day single day that i stick to and say for example we're talking about cold calling If if i say i'm going to cold call 30 people in a day or 50 people in a day i'm going to cold call 50 people in a day regardless i'm not going to ring five people and then get get peed off when one of them hangs up on me and not make any more calls because that that is that that's defeating yourself isn't it you're not giving yourself the best chances for success
0: but that comes from your karate training your martial arts training doesn't
2: it yeah th- that that could be that could be where i have the advantage slightly but I, I would recommend that people this is something that can be taught uh i would also recommend people sort of take on some kind of discipline it doesn't necessarily have to be martial arts but something that's going to give you that kind of should say, uh, dedication and a bit of p- perseverance. Maybe it could be yoga or something like any kind of discipline where you're going to get that kind of mentality.
0: Interesting. So, John, let me, let me ask you this, from, and I don't know how much you've looked at this. Is is the problem the, the sales rep or is the problem that we don't have a, a facility in the sales industry to actually sensitize potential sales reps to what the journey is really about?
2: Yeah, I, I I genuinely think it's a lack of, of understanding and a lack of guidance. For me, I'd be I'd be i I'd be teaching them what I do and getting them to replicate it. The thing is, you can only you can only lead a horse to water that you can't make them drink. So they have to really want to be a sales professional. That That is one of the key elements here. You're not going to make it as a, as a sales pro on, on, on the 1% or, or whatever whatever you're trying to do if your heart's not in it, if you don't really passionately want to be the best salesperson you can be. That is one of the key factors. I think it's, it's the same with any, any kind of line of uh, work that you want to do. If you want to be a, a doctor or you want to be a, a veterinarian or whatever it is, you've got to be passionate about it and you've got to be determined to make it.
1: You know, so, John, on the accountability front, as far as the follow-up, the lack of follow-up yeah, on the back end of this, do you see this as a drive issue or an accountability issue, meaning that the sales reps want an easy win and they just want to move on to the next one, or their manager, leader, whoever it may be, the organization is not holding them accountable for not following up? What do you think?
2: Again, I think that could be... Uh... A bit of both, depending on the on the situation. I mean, a lot of the stuff that I've done, it's been kind of off my own back. But if you're employed and you're part of a sales team for a company, it could be a little bit of both. I mean, as the sales manager, you want to be kind of instilling that the need to follow up at least, two, I'd say, at least two times, really. And then kind of, what I, the, the the kind of protocol that I tend to use is, so say, for example, I'm speaking to, to Janet about a 4K offer she's, she's, she's considering having, having a, a service with us it's a 4k value she needs to mull it over so she's not quite decided she needs to move some money around and, and and work out her finances it's going to take her a week or so so what i will do is i will book her a specific time that following week so okay julie would next thursday at 3 p.m eastern do for you is that is that good for you get the time booked in and then ring her at that time don't ring her before then or pester her the next day or anything like that because that's desperate that's needy You never, never ever as a sales professional be needy or desperate or hungry for any sales ever. I don't care whether you've not made any money for six weeks. Just never do that. So if you book it in for that time, follow up at that time and then speak to them again and say, okay, hope you've had a nice week. Are we ready to move forward today? Listen to what they have to say. Well, uh, not quite. Uh, I have still need to do this and this and that. Okay, right. Well, when would you be ready to move forward then? So you're kind of giving them another chance. And then if they book a call in for another two days or something, again, do the same process where you book in the specific time and then you you send them the link or whatever it is or call them. And then that second time, if they're still not ready, then I'm going to put the ball back in her court and I'm going to say, okay, Julie, well, I think you're obviously not ready at the moment. Why don't you give me a shout when you're ready to move forward? I'll leave you my email address or my contact number. So that way you're not pressuring them you you giving them back a bit you giving them back a bit more breathing space and that way a lot of the time they will come back if they are serious otherwise there was an underlying issue that that wasn't quite caught or you didn't quite get to and then it's kind of not going to happen anywhere but that that's the best course of action and i i get a lot of people follow up and and sell that way why do you think people are so
1: averse to cold calling do you think it's more of the business mentality that the businesses want to set themselves up with solid marketing to tee up warm leads for their reps, or do you think reps are just kind of unionizing and saying, look, the cold calling is dead. We're adamantly against it. We want a solid marketing strategy. We want softballs. What do you think? Why are so many people shifting to the non-cold calling approach?
2: Because everybody wants an easy life. That's what it is. Nobody, nobody wants to pull the roll the sleeves up and, and get stuck in anymore. That's what it is. They want they want the, the warm, toasty, ready to convert leads. <laughs> they don't want to know anything else. <laughs> they want the they want the systems in place with the with the funnels and, the, and the, whatever it is whatever it takes to get them warm, cozy, ready to buy leads. But the world doesn't work like that. The, 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 everybody starts off as cold, don't they? And we, we there has to be a, a, a way of transitioning them. But there is no more economical way and low cost efficient way of building up new clientele and new business than picking up the phone and dialing. So smiling and dialing is, is, is going to be much more, should we say, better. especially if you're a beginner and you're setting up your own coaching business or you're, you're a newbie and you've got a small business owner and you're just setting things up, if you are prepared to do that. What I would always say as well is, is the boss should should be in a situation where they're happy to do that. That's why anybody that I'm coaching, if I'm coaching someone on cold calling, I'll I'll cold call for them. Or if, if I'm if I'm te- co- if I'm coaching somebody in closing, I will actually get on the phones if they've got leads coming in. I'll close them for them, just so that you've got to lead by example. So if if I was in, if I was going to be uh, in a in a company with say say a solar panel company and I'm I'm going in to help the sales guys. I'd pick up the phone with them all there and I'd be dialing and I'd be speaking to people because that way I'm leading by example and the more inclined to follow, follow suit then. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah very,
0: nice. very interesting, interesting stuff. Cause I, I think, and, and Brian, we should, we should find some of these, uh, no cold call gurus and, and we should get them to, um, yes, have a, a, let's say a lively conversation with John on the line one day. Cause there are a lot of people that, that will say that it, that cold calling, Pure cold calling is one of the least efficient, most costly ways to generate new customers just because of the amount of time it takes. And one of the other, and I'm not sure if it's true in Europe as it is in the United States, but one of the biggest issues that voicemail has created is that people hide behind voicemail. And that they have been for years. So they, they just, they simply don't answer their phones anymore. Now, COVID changed that a little bit because we found more people were actually in an environment where they couldn't run. But so many people just will not answer their phone, they just let it go to voicemail, so they're screening all their calls. Yeah, but the beauty is John, there.
1: when, yeah, when you're calling into a business, though, I think that's his point. When you're calling into an organization and you're selling upstream and you're trying to, you know, find that decision maker if there's a fit, that's, I think, uh, but you're right, though. I think in today's age, a lot of that information on LinkedIn could go to their personal phone, and that's what people are trying to find, right? Where how can I find this person's personal information so I can get right to that person? Right. But that person's cutting them off of the past. They're going about it the wrong way. So, no, I, I completely agree. And we're definitely trying to set up. And I know, uh, Samurai, you're down for this, getting a debate going, having a kumite or whatever you want to call it, of somebody who wants to actually listen. A lot of people, they talk. But when it comes down to defending their honor and defending their discipline, as you know, you would say, they, they balk, right? So they're all smoke, no fire. I'm dedicated to finding somebody that wants to defend their point of view coming on with you, and then we can have a go at it. I think it's going to be fun.
2: I'll just say one thing One thing on this, guys. If I was doing something that wasn't working, so if I was cold calling door-to-door or twin telephones and none of them working, I would admit, I'd, I'd hold my hands up and say, it's dead. But it's not because I still have success with it. So how can something be dead if it still works?
0: I think good part point. of the issue, John, and maybe you can comment on this, part of the issue is that people look at this, from a macro perspective there, there are certain things that you would you would simply never door knock for and there are certain things that really work to door knock and and maybe people aren't understanding that this is very situational and you really absolutely. have to understand the market to understand whether cold calling is the right approach or not yeah no and absolutely. i think i
1: think a door knock to me could be a metaphor you know i know That, uh, you know, starting certain divisions of businesses, it was all brand new and you're building it from scratch. And the only way to do that is to go out with marketing or sales. And, you know, a lot of times via LinkedIn to your credit, John, or Facebook or email lists or whatever it may be, you're sending out an email, but obviously you have to understand the space. You have to understand that person's competitors. You have to understand the pain in the marketplace. You have to know a little bit about them with some research. So it is a cold outreach, but the approach has to be right you know, the the length of the message, you know, who you're sending it to, the way you're leveraging connections, you know, things of that nature. It's very, very important. So yeah, the spaghetti on the wall approach is very, very difficult, but if it's done the right way, which a lot of people don't do it the right way, it will fail. If you do it effectively, you can absolutely make something out of nothing. But, um, you know, we're all about calling out bad actors here, at Samurai. And, you know, I know you know the space, you know, we're all living in it. would love for you to talk about some of the biggest, most ineffective scumbags out there that you know, peddle these things that have no idea what they're talking about, who are getting it completely wrong. would love for you to kind of talk about that. And then maybe you want to call somebody out. Maybe we call them out right here. Now we get them on the show and then we have a throwdown.
2: (laughs) Well, no, I'm not actually here to sort of start any kind of sales wars or anything like that. I think, and and I don't really know any particular names, but what, what I would say I don't like is, but again, people people are going to do it and people are never going to stop doing it is the sales kind of coaches that haven't sold anything for sort of 20 years and they've got these 6K, 10K, 15K courses that the Sands people, to me, that's kind of, are they really still qualified to do that? That's why for me as a sales coach, I'm not going to stop selling. I don't, I don't plan on stop selling because it's that that keeps my skills sharp and it's that that, That should give me the edge over, over the ones that, I mean, like I said, I don't know any names, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that's still going on in the industry. Uh, You're
1: conveniently forgetting their names, huh?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, to be honest, I I couldn't even think of one off the top of my head, but I'm sure they're out there. So what about uh, that? Weren't
1: you um, getting into
2: a spat with somebody online about cold calling? You, we were well, talking I, him with yeah I, the, the, this was a guy well I, I wouldn't say it was a spat. he he was he's like a he's like a digital marketing guy and we were, we were both oh. in uh we were both in uh in clubhouse and he he's just one of these that i think he, i don't know if he was saying cold calling is dead or but he, he was kind of anti-cold calling and he was like because he, he he just wants warm leads and i, I do understand it but I think to, to, you, you need to have different avenues. So, say for example, you're a, a, a like a like a windows and doors company or a solar solar company. I still, especially solar panels and stuff like that. I still think door to door is going to be is going to give you a lot of a lot of uh, if you, if you've got a good door canvassing team, you're going to get a lot of success from door canvassing in that industry still to this day, and and cold calling on the telephones as well. To me, I don't differentiate it two. The the similar is a practically the same. Whether you're knocking on a door or whether you're cold calling. So say for example, I had I was doing a, a door, a, a day of canvassing on the on the streets, I'd say, right, I'm gonna knock 50 doors today. Uh, and I don't wanna get five appointments, blah, blah, blah. So i just think the same with the calls. I'm gonna make 50 calls today and then I'll because the numbers are kind of similar. The 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 the, the, the so should, should we say 20 people have answered the door. 20 people had answered the phone. So the numbers kind of cross over. So there's just, I don't really differentiate between the two. It's, it's all cold calling.
1: Nice. You got to love those keyboard warriors, huh? <laughs> Somebody talking about something you have no idea of what they're talking about. It's uh, You got to love that.
2: Yeah. I mean, like I say, from his point of view, I can understand how they think, but he's never done any cold calling. So he's not he's not going to have any, any knowledge of it. So they're just ignorant. People are just ignorant. It's like, I think we're all a bit like that we, we all it's, it happens in the martial arts let's, let's talk about the martial arts if you've been if you're a type on door, third, third degree or whatever whatever it is you're going to think your art is the best and it's the only way to go isn't it and you, you wouldn't even entertain sort of thinking about karate or, or muay thai or something like that because you kind of one track and it's a good thing in a way because you, you you kind of should we say uh, faithful to your own discipline? But I, I'm a bit different with that. I, I like to do different arts. I've done, I've done karate. I've done Muay I've done traditional boxing. And the beauty of that is I can use those different techniques to suit me when it, when it feel like it. So we this point. guy... he's is a digital marketer, but that that's it's one track mind about digital marketing. So that that's the only thing that works. Is as finding as ah oh, cold calling that's dead. I won't do that or whatever. Or, oh, I would not do cold email or whatever. It just this everything else. But they all work. So what I would say is, is for a functional business to work, why not why not have a couple of guys doing cold calling and a, and a digital marketing team as well, and and have have them work together rather than like brushing. So certain ideas often thinking that you only use one one system.
1: Well the good the point is and I see a complete correlation between the martial arts and sales because if you look at martial arts like we were talking about early in the podcast, the, early UFCs, right? You had jujitsu and you had Muay Thai and you had boxing and wrestling and who's the best style, right? And we all knew jujitsu one in the early days, but now everybody's a complete martial artist. They have every discipline down to a science and they use it where applicable, depending on their opponent, depending on the opening, depending on whatever it may be. Now it's the same thing in sales. There's many different methodologies and everybody pedals their, their system and the way they do business. And, you know, there's good out of most of them. And if you use them where applicable, you know, when applicable, it works, so no, I completely understand the correlation, and I think it, it's true. You want to be well rounded, and you—that's the most effective way of going. So I completely agree with that.
0: Absolutely. So John, what what prompted you to um, sit down and go through through the laborious process of writing a book? <laughs>
2: Well, if I'm honest, uh, it was it was something that I thought about for for many years, and it's not like it's not like War and Peace of sales or anything. It's a relatively small book. It's only got I've got it here actually, so it's only it's only like 123 pages front to back because I didn't want to go on and on and on about a a topic like this. It's 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 literally supposed to be no fluff. Uh, packed with with value bombs and, and golden nuggets for either a brand new sales uh, rep or somebody that's kind of seasoned as well. I'm, I'm open to kind of appeal to, to anybody, even coaches. Are, I think that anybody in the business entrepreneurial world should have a a, a, a little bit of an understanding of sales. So that's it, the reason I did it was because I thought about it for many years, and I wanted to share my knowledge. And I just thought, right, I'm locked down. We've, we've been locked down here, over here forever. It feels like a prison sentence. We're still on lockdown now. So I thought, well, what, how can I positively make an impact while I'm locked down? So I just sat down and I thought, right, let's go. I've been planning this for ages. I got some tips off some other authors on how to do it. Ben Gay, you, you must know Ben Gay, sales, sales guy with the closers. He does the closers series. He He said that I should have a, I think he called it his North Star And it was a good idea and and name each chapter as well. So I sat down and I named each of the chapters and I had a North Star, which was the very last sentence of the book. And then you're always aiming to the North Star.
0: What was what was the biggest difference, do you think, that you put in the book that you didn't find in anybody else's material or that you hadn't found as, as you were learning the trade?
2: Well, it's just my, the, 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 what, I, what I what I wanted to do with it was take some of the the sort of skill sets and the, the strengths of, of others that I've, that I've followed along the years, like Brian Tracy and Tom Hopkins and and Grant Cardone and people that are. But, but the beauty of sales is I put my own personality into it and I put my own twists and I also put my own strategies in there, things that aren't, haven't been done by other people that are. So it's kind of a unique blend of, of, other sales samurais if you want to put it that way and and my, and my own sort of uh but but what i like what i like about it is I've, I've put a bit of my background and a bit of my story as well so it's it's kind of a story stroke sales tactics and and uh strategies book
1: awesome samurai well it's been fantastic any last words of wisdom or thoughts you want to share with our audience before we wrap up
2: yeah what i've what i've started doing i've, I've kind of came, come up with my own should say saying that, that that keeps popping up into my head and it's You can be your own best friend or your own worst enemy. The choice is yours. So what I mean by that is it's all about what you tell yourself in your head, isn't it? I mean, many years ago, I I told myself that I couldn't sell. And, And obviously, if I'm telling myself that I can't sell, then I can't sell. But if I start telling myself, there's a great book by Ogmandino, The Greatest Salesman in the World. So if I start telling myself I'm the greatest salesman in the world, I may not become the greatest salesman in the world, but I'm going to be a damn sight better than if I didn't tell myself that.
1: I love it fantastic now samurai one last question just a funny personal question just to get to know you a little bit better so you're going to move off of england onto your own private island okay you can only bring one book you can only bring one movie and you can only bring one album what would they be
2: oh wow that's such a tricky question um
0: it better be your own book
2: (laughs) (laughs) no that'd be that'd be too boring i think i don't think i'd want to take me on Oh, there goes um <laughs> um. Well, probably a book that I've not read yet, but I, I I don't know which one. If I'm if I'm being honest, there is a list of ones that I want to read. But um, I am I'm actually studying Kabbalah at the moment, so I would say a, a book on Kabbalah. The movie I really want to watch. I don't think he's out yet, but the remake of uh, Exorcist. I think that's going to be a cracking film. So they're remaking that. that. Oh, that's yeah, sacrilege
1: yeah. man. That's blasphemous, man. No
2: pun intended. How can you outdo the you know, original? Are you kidding me? Well, I don't. I don't think you can out. You can never outdo it. But I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing a modern twist on on what what they did. The trailer looked okay as well. So I'm quite looking forward to seeing that. And what was the other one? The Book album. Movie album. Wow. That's, That's right. You're a rock and a roll original.
1: guy, right? You love rock music.
2: Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm quite a, a mixed bag. I like '80s stuff. So I'd say like something like the Best of '80s or something like that, or uh, Fleetwood Mac or something like that.
1: Some Duran Duran, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. Why not?
1: Awesome. Samurai, it's been amazing. Have a great day. You know, John, and I had a, had a
0: blast here, right, John? Yeah, thank you, John. Absolutely fantastic. And I wish you all the luck in the world. And uh, please just be careful with that sharp knife.
2: <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Oh, can I just uh, add one more thing? Please sure. follow me on Instagram. I'm trying to build my Instagram at the moment. So it's SamuraiJM80. Yeah, how do people follow you? How do
1: people get in touch by the book?
2: Yeah, I mean the book's available on on Kindle, Amazon Kindle, and, and it's on paperback as well. I think it's about twelve bucks over there. It's like nine quid if you're in England, but it's yeah, I think it's about twelve bucks for the paperback. I think it's really really next to nothing for for the for the Kindle version. And uh, yeah, just, I mean I'm on. I've got my own YouTube channel, The Sales Samurai, where I, you can see all the the videos. So the the podcast gets uploaded there. I'm on LinkedIn uh facebook so yeah but if you're gonna follow me on social media please make it instagram first because that's what i'm trying to kind of uh get my should we say brand built there
0: makes sense sounds good and they can and and they can find you on uh clubhouse
2: absolutely yeah if you're on clubhouse it's samurai 80 okay thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure gentlemen
0: thank you cheers take care take care Thank you for spending time with us today. We encourage you to join the many businesses that we have helped to achieve their objectives, align their departments, and increase their revenue. You can start by reaching out to us at results at onebrokencog.com. Together, we will make small adjustments that will lead to major impacts to your business, your culture, and your bottom line.